Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the Tulia Christian Fellowship Podcast. We want to invite you to our Christmas Eve candlelight service Sunday, December 24th at 5 p.m. at the Tulia High School Auditorium. This is going to be a classic candlelight service with a few surprises. This is a great service to invite a friend. If you would like to support TCF, please visit our giving page at tcf.church. All right, bow your head and let me pray. Father, I want to thank you this morning. Lord, you know what I want. I only want one thing. I want the eyes of our hearts to be flooded with your light. And Lord, that we would know three things. We'd know our calling. We would know about our inheritance. And we would know about your power. Father, I ask you do that this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said? We took some time in the last couple of weeks, and we looked at the book of Luke. Luke is a book in the New Testament, of course. It's the part of the Gospels. If you would like to know more about who Jesus is and what he thinks about you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are great books to read. We took time to look at the book of Luke, and Luke starts out with the birth of Jesus, and it starts out with the birth of John the Baptist. Then the book is about the life of Jesus. Then when you get to the end of Luke, it talks about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In the beginning of Luke, we found out three amazing things. The first thing we found out is the person who wrote it, Luke, said that he talked to eyewitnesses people who saw things happen. He got eyewitness accounts. Then the second thing he did was he made a careful investigation of what they said. He didn't just take their word for it. After he talked to eyewitnesses, then he talked to other people, and he found out what really happened, and he did an investigation. Then the third thing he did was he made an orderly account of what he saw and what he heard. Now, this is true for the book of Luke, and it's also true for the entire Bible. Now, listen to me. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the Word of God. You can trust it today. You can trust it with your tomorrows, and you can trust it with your eternity. You do not have to leave your brain at the door when you come into church. You do not have to commit intellectual suicide to be a Christian. In fact, the Bible says in the Old Testament that the beginning of wisdom If you want any wisdom at all, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Then we went over to the book of John, and the book of John is about the life of Jesus, and then at the end of the book of John, he talks about why the Bible was written, why it was given to us. Why did God take the time to speak through men and to put it on paper, put ink on paper, and give us this book? Here's why. When you read the Bible, something is supposed to happen to you. It's supposed to spark something in your life. You know, when you start a fire, you use a spark. Well, when you read the Word of God, it's supposed to spark something on the inside of you. You see, the Bible is alive. It's living. See, you don't read it for information. You read it for transformation. You read it for revelation. When you get out your phone and you look at the YouVersion Bible app and you read the verse of the day, it's supposed to spark something in your heart. And here's what it is, belief. Okay, at the end of the book of John, he said, when you and I read the word of God, it's supposed to cause us to believe. Now, we live in a culture where believing is very popular. Right? I mean, all you have to do is turn on the TV once in a while. And the world, our culture, they don't care what you believe. 
all right? The thing is just that you believe in something. You, you don't have to go very far to run into people who'll tell you, hey, it doesn't matter what you believe, just as long as you believe something. Well, the Word of God doesn't bear that out. It says in John that you and I are supposed to believe, but here's what we're supposed to believe. We're supposed to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's the Son of God. And then when you believe that, when you read the Word of God and that belief is sparked on the inside of you and you find out that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, then when you do that, you know what happens? It says by believing, you'll have life. Now, that's eternal life, okay? It's the Greek word zoe, Z-O-E, and it means the God kind of life. You see, if you've invited Jesus Christ into your life, you have the life of God on the inside of you, and it's an eternal life. It's a life that's going to last forever. Now, see, that's always been the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity has always been life. Now, we've muddied the waters, and when I say we, I mean the preachers, church. We've muddied the water with religion and with do's and don'ts and with all kinds of things. But when you boil it all down, the message of Christianity, the message of Jesus Christ is, if you have me, you can have life. And I don't know anybody in this room. I don't know anybody in this world. I mean, we could gather up people at the mall and say, how many of you want life? And I I wouldn't think there'd be one person who wouldn't raise their hand. I want life. Now, I don't want religion. I don't want going through the routine and it doesn't work or do anything in my life. But the promise is, is that you can have life. Now, Jesus says something in Matthew astounding about John the Baptist. We found out last week that Jesus came the first time. We call it the first advent, the first coming. And then when Jesus came to earth the first time, God sent John the Baptist ahead of Jesus to proclaim and to talk about his coming. Well, imagine if right here is when Jesus came. We did this last week. Then you come all the way to the end of the stage over here, and right here is where we are 2,000 years later. You see, you and I live in between the first coming of Christ and the second coming of Christ. You see, Jesus promised he would come the first time. Did he not? And did he do it? Yes, he did. Okay. He's also promised, I'm going to come back again. Because when he ascended, you know, it says they were all standing out there doing this. And the angel came up and said, hey, what are you guys looking at? Well, we're looking at this guy who disappeared in the clouds. And he said, well, just as you've seen him disappear, he will come again. So you and I live in between those two events. And God sent John the Baptist to tell everybody. And here's what he sent him to tell everybody. And it's so simple and it's so powerful. John the Baptist had three words. Are you ready? Now, don't miss this. You see, John the Baptist lived out in the country, and he wore wool, not wool, uh, camel hair clothing, and he ate insects. It says he ate locusts, and he ate honey. Uh, John the Baptist was kind of crazy. Now, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean it in a good way, but John the Baptist, everybody was kind of scared of him, And you see, he brought a message that was, hey, there's this one coming after me, and he's the Messiah, and he's going to come, and he's going to change everything. Then after that, Jesus came along, and he said, I've come, and he said, I'm going to change everything. Now, here's what I want you to see before we move on. Christianity's disruptive. It's invasive. You see, John the Baptist came along and said, everything's about to change. God's going to come live among us. That's disruptive. 
Then Jesus came along and said, all that stuff you've been doing to please my father, you don't have to do it anymore. All you have to do is know me. That's disruptive. Now, don't miss this. Christianity is supposed to disrupt your life. Now, you know, missionaries over the years, as they would go into foreign countries, uh, even during the Roman Empire, uh, even in Africa, you go into any region where people worship idols, okay? People have all different kinds of idols. And what people would do is they would carve little statues, and they would put their idol inside their house. Now, they might have a big idol out in the courtyard, but they also wanted a small one to go in the house. And so they would carve it out of wood or marble or something. And imagine, if you will, a fireplace with a mantle, and across the mantle are your little gods that you brought into your house. And they would call them house gods. So when somebody would come along and knock on the door and say, hey, have you ever heard of Jesus Christ? No, I don't think I ever have. Now, to us, that's kind of crazy, but no. Well, come on in and share with us. Tell us about it. So they would hear the gospel preached, and most of the time, they would say yes to Jesus. But here's the thing. They just added him to their other gods. You see, they didn't clean house. They didn't get rid of their other gods. They just added him in with their other house gods. Now, you probably don't have any idols in your house on the mantle. When I was a kid growing up, my mom had a little Buddha statue that she had in our house, and we weren't Buddhists. My mom didn't worship Buddha. I don't know why she had it or where she got it. I think she just liked it for decoration, uh, but we don't have it anymore, thank God. She's with Jesus. I don't know what happened to that little Buddha. Uh, he probably fell in the fire or something, amen? I don't, I don't know. But I know you probably don't have any house gods in your house, but just think about it for a minute. We do more than we think we do. You see, you heard the gospel just like I did, and you said yes to Jesus just like I did, but then you still kept your ambition. You kept your lust. You kept your hunger for money and success. Uh, you still treated your wife the same way. You still treated your husband the same way. You're still the same father you were, the same mother you were. Uh, we've just added it to our house gods. You see, Christianity's supposed to change us. It's supposed to be disruptive. It's supposed to change who I am. And see, I want to just say this. If your Christianity hasn't changed you, then I wonder about your Christianity. Because when you surrender to Jesus, you know, the common phrase in church is Jesus is Lord. I heard Jimmy Evans say one time, he pastors Trinity in Amarillo, that Lord means boss. Okay, probably every one of you at one time in your life in here has had a boss, even if it was your mom and dad, even if you're in business for yourself, your customers can be your bosses. Everybody has a boss. Well, that word also means master. That's an even stronger word. See, I could say that I have a boss, but I wouldn't want to say my boss is my master, correct? Okay, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is supposed to be my boss. He's supposed to be my master, so I'm supposed to ask him what I'm doing with my life. I'm supposed to ask him to help change me. I'm supposed to allow the gospel to come into my life and make me different. Now, here's what God did. God sent Jesus. He sent John ahead of him. And he said, hey, John, I want you to ask everybody if they're ready. And I believe this morning, I'm going to read you a verse, that he's saying the very same thing to Will and I. And as I scan across this room and I look at each one of you, God is asking you to do the same thing John did, which is what, Pastor? Are you ready? Are you ready? Think about going to Walmart. When the lady checks you out, you look at her and smile and say, are you ready? 
she'd be like, ready for what? Well, are you, are you ready for eternity? Are you ready for the return of Christ? Are you ready to face God? Are you ready? That's what John the Baptist did. Are you ready? And see, he's given us the same message. Are you ready? All right, now I want to read to you out of Matthew eleven eleven. I think this is one of the most disruptive, astounding verses in the Bible, and it's going to blow you away. Uh, I wish we don't have seatbelts in our chairs, but I wish we did because I'm fixing to blow you up. Okay, I'm fixing. It's, if you didn't, if it wasn't in the Bible, you wouldn't believe it. Okay, now I've never flown very much, but I've flown a few times, and you know how when you get on and you buckle in, and you you know some of you like to fly. I don't particularly enjoy it, and you white knuckle the armchair you know, as that thing takes off and you look out the windows and the wings are vibrating like they're going to fall off at any second, you, you, you know, and you're sucked back in your chair and you're just, you know, I, I'm, I pray in tongues, so I'm praying in tongues, you know. I mean, you know, that something doesn't happen to me, right? Okay, all right, that, that's what this verse is getting ready to do to you. It's going to put you back in your chair. Now, listen to what it says in Matthew eleven eleven. I love this. Jesus is speaking. He says, truly, I tell you, all he's saying is, hey, guys, I'm telling the truth. Don't you love that? I'm telling the truth. Among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, I want to break that up into two parts, and I want to show you truth in both ends of this verse. So listen to what it says. Jesus says, hey, I'm telling you the truth. Among those born of woman, there's not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Now, that's an astounding statement. Here's what he says. It doesn't matter anybody that's ever been born. Not one of them is greater than John the Baptist. Now, I took time, and I made just a little short list of Old Testament and New Testament Bible heroes. Now, your list may not have these on it. Your list may be different than my list. But just listen to some of the names. First is Samson, Solomon. The Bible says he was the wisest man that ever lived. David, he was a king. He's the guy that killed Goliath. How about Moses? Moses delivered Israel from Egypt. Gideon, Gideon fought a vast army with 300 men. How about Mary, the mother of Jesus? She said, be it unto me according to your word. How about Esther? God used Esther to save her people. How about Daniel? Remember, he's the guy that hung out in the lion's den. How about Noah, the guy that built the boat? Remember him? How about Abraham? God used Abraham to start the nation of Israel. And then last is Joshua. He led the children of Israel into the promised land. Now, don't miss this. Jesus said John the Baptist is greater than every single one of these. He's greater than Samson, greater than Solomon, greater than David, greater than Moses, greater than Gideon, greater than Mary, greater than Esther, greater than Daniel, greater than Noah, greater than Abraham, greater than Joshua. That's a pretty big list. All right, now let's jump out of the Bible and jump into our culture. If you would just Google human heroes, one of the first names to come up, of course, I I was interested in this, is Abraham Lincoln. He saved the nation through the Civil War. Then how about Winston Churchill? He saved England in World War II. Then how about ancient history? How about Alexander the Great? How about Julius Caesar? Then how about Amelia Earhart? She flew into history. So so whether it's Bible heroes or whether it's secular heroes, Jesus said that not one of those people is greater than John the Baptist. All right, now reach down and adjust your seatbelt. Let me read you the second part. 
He says, yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, you know who he's talking about, don't you? He's talking about you. Now, you see, I believe hands down, Jesus is the hero of the Bible. Hands down, he's the hero of the Bible. All right, but in the Old Testament, outside of Jesus, I believe one of the greatest heroes in the Bible in the Old Testament is Abraham because God used him to found the nation of Israel. Then I believe one of the greatest stories in the Old Testament is the Exodus. That's where God used Moses to get Israel out of slavery from Egypt. And I think the reason that story is the most important story in the Old Testament is because it mirrors our story of Jesus dying on the cross for us. You see, God used Moses to deliver them physically. He used Jesus to deliver us physically and spiritually. Then, of course, the greatest hero in the New Testament is Jesus. And then the greatest story ever told is the story of his life. Jesus is the hero of the Bible. We teach the kids and power kids there's one villain in the Bible, the devil. There's one hero in the Bible, Jesus. There's one message to the Bible, and it's Jesus saves. Except they scream it at the top of their lungs. I would give anything if you would come to Power Kids on Wednesday night. It would change your Christianity. You'd get saved. Your worship, wouldn't it? Your worship would totally change. Yeah, I say there's one villain in the Bible who is it, the devil. There's one hero in the Bible who is it, Jesus. There's one message in the Bible, Jesus saves. Now, God has done something special in your life. Let me read it to you again. Whoever's least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, what's the kingdom of heaven? Well, I believe that's the blood bought, the redeemed. That's us. Uh, that's us in the new covenant. That's us after the cross. That's us inviting Jesus Christ into our life. Now, d- did you see what that said? It said there's never been anybody born greater than John the Baptist, but that the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. So let me talk to that group of people first. I know there's some of you in here, and I know what you're thinking. That doesn't mean me. That might mean you, preacher, but it doesn't mean me. I'm nobody. I don't matter. I don't count. Jesus knew you'd think that. He knew it. That's why he said, the least in the kingdom. So even if you think you're that person, even if you think, hey, I'm, I'm the least, what did he say? He said, you are greater than John the Baptist. Now, don't miss this. I'm not telling you this so you can have pride or arrogance or boast or hey man i'm better than john no right that's scary to even say that isn't it right i don't mean it for that reason but you know why i want you to see this this morning because you see jesus came the first time and god sent john the baptist to ask one thing are you ready jesus is getting ready to come a second time and he has sent you to ask one question are you ready You see, God's anointed you, God has called you, God has gifted you, God has equipped you, God has given you a mission, and God has given you a message. Now, here's what's amazing. I'm so saddened when I hear Christians say, hey, God can't use me, God won't use me, maybe because of my past, maybe what I've done, Uh, I don't have anything to offer. It's a lie. It's a lie. Listen to it again. You've been called. You've been gifted. You've been anointed. You've been given a mission, and you've been given a message. All right, what is that, Pastor? What am I supposed to do? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to face God? Are you ready to step into eternity? 
You know, we were watching some home movies yesterday at my house, and Ashley had a little camera that she'd taken movies, and you know how you take it out now, and you take it to Sam's, and they put it on a DVD, and we put it on there, and the movies that are on there are 10 years old. And we're at Christmas time at my mother's, and my mother's there, my brother's there, his wife is there, uh, his grandson, my kids, Arthur's there. Arthur and Ashley are just married. Kurt's not married yet. And it was so amazing to watch that. And my mother's gone. My brother's gone. And before he was gone, he and his wife divorced. And Zane, my brother's grandson, is five years old in the video. And now he's almost 16. Time goes by, doesn't it? Doesn't it? It's amazing to watch it. Here's the message. Are you ready? Are you ready? You see, he's asking us the same thing. And then we're supposed to ask those around us, are you ready? Well, no, no, pastor. God can't use me. No, no, he's only made you greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was the greatest that ever lived, the greatest ever born of woman. Now, listen to this. It's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you're not. Let me read it to you again. It's not what you are that holds you back. It's what you think you're not. You know, for years when I would preach here in church, I'd have somebody come up to me and they'd say, man, Pastor, that was so good. That so helped me. And you know what I would always think? If I was anybody, I wouldn't be here. I sadly believed that. If I, if I was important, if God could use me, he would surely send me someplace else important. And that's a lie. Because every single one of you in this room are important. Amen? Every single one of you matter. Now listen, God wants you to go into your family, your world, your mission field, your job, your space, and bring Jesus Christ. I don't know how, Pastor. Ask him, Lord, give me strength, give me wisdom, and help me. Moses said, I can't speak. I can't do it. You may feel the same way. Here's all he wants you to do. Are you ready? You've been called. You've been gifted. Now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have six days till next weekend. Six days. Next Sunday, the season of Advent ends on December 24th. So we have six days to go into our world and say, hey, come with me to the Christmas Eve service. Hey, come go with me. We're going to have a great time. We're going to hang out. We're going to sing Christmas carols. We're going to do a candlelight service. It's going to be great. you got six days before it happens next week. Then beyond that six days, God wants to use you every single day. What does he want to reach, reach, he, what does he want to use you to do to bring the message, are you ready? You see, you've been given a message and you've been given a mission. What if you went home and got rid of your house gods this week? What if you gave them to God? What if you went to God and said, God, man, here's my stuff. Here's my junk. You got some. You know how I know? Because I got some. Right, amen? Lord, here's my stuff. Here's my ambition. Here's my greed. Here's my anger. Here's my pride, Lord. Here's my stuff. Some of our stuff is bad. Some of mine is bad. And Lord, I want to clean up my house, gods. And Jesus, I want to declare you my boss. I want to declare you my master. 
And everywhere I go, Lord, I want to bring you, and I want to ask the simple question, are you ready? Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you this morning? Father God, I want to thank you for all that you have done and all you're doing in our lives. Lord, I pray every person in this room recognizes how much they matter to you, how much they matter to your kingdom, how important they are to your plan, that they would recognize that you've called them, you've equipped them for a simple message. Are you ready? Lord, as we go from this place today, as we leave this church, we'd go be the church. We'd bring your life. We'd bring your love. Father, I pray that you let our light shine before men and that your hand and your grace is on us this last week before Christmas. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. Would you all stand, please?